Anchor app. I want to welcome you to Daring Dialogues as well. Daring Dialogues is a platform where we cover a multiple amount of different subjects and topics based on the day of the week. So Mondays is inspiration, it's motivation, uh, it's biography Monday where we read about the lives of different people to inspire us. Tuesdays is Black Table Talk where we talk all things Black people, Black issues, Black polity, Black love, Black life, Blackity Black. Wednesdays is Relationship Wednesday where we talk about relationships between ourself and ourself, ourself and others, and sometimes we dig into ourself and our spiritual relationships. Thursday is Theology Thursday, Thinking Thursday, where we cover things that have to do with faith, philosophy, religion, uh, spirituality, and the like. And Friday, the day you're in tonight, we cover health, wealth, and wisdom. Dealing with our health, dealing with our mind, dealing with our finances. So tonight, we're covering how the world works in neuroscience and also 30 Seconds Genetics book. Those are the books that we have been reading from and we've been learning about our DNA. We've been learning about genes and sequencing and chromosomes and mitochondria. And so if you are uh, into the sciences, you can always join us on our Fridays when we're talking about neuroscience and genetics. Uh, We tend to alternate our Fridays. So last Friday, we were talking about finance. This Friday, we're talking about uh, neuroscience and genetics. But I want to start off with a finance Friday tip. And this happens to do with marketing on Facebook or what I call hit and run marketing because it's not really marketing. It is, um, it's really... I would say it's almost taking advantage of or manipulating, being manipulative in spaces that are designed for relationships. I'm not sure if a lot of people still realize or recognize that Facebook as a brand was designed for people to build relationships with each other. That's how Facebook initially started off. We know that Facebook has moved more to an advertising model But if you are not a business on Facebook, the goal of Facebook has really been to get you to socialize with other people, to socialize with people within your own immediate circles and then branching out um, from there. However, Facebook has beautiful things on it called Facebook groups. And um, I am one of the very few who is a part of what's called the Power Admin Group. Um, It's a Facebook group that you have to get invited to um, based on your level of engagement with Facebook groups, how long you have been adminning um, on Facebook, the number of groups you admin, and the number of people in your groups, um, and your ability to grow groups. So of the billions of people on Facebook, this this group that you're invited to is probably it's like under 20,000 people inside of it. And they are the admins in North America of all these different kinds of groups. And so I get a chance to have some conversations and um, meet with other power admins and sort of hear 
what some of their grievances are. And so one of the grievances that many of us have been talking about on and off is the notion of not promoting your business or when a group is specifically saying that these are the guidelines that they don't want you to promote in their group. And you have people that will join a group and they will completely disregard the guideline. And so this is what I posted almost, you know, almost an hour ago on my personal page. I said, I really despise the ways many Christians, and I put lowercase for a reason because you are lower, you are a lowercase Christian if you can't follow Christ-like principles. <laughs> so that's my way of differentiating between people who follow Christ. And people who say they follow Christ and they do whatever they want to do. Those are, to me, lowercase Christians, okay? I really despise the many ways Christians, lowercase, try to manipulate their way in spaces not intended for advertising. If someone tells you repeatedly in their space, group, etc., that that space is not for selling anything or asking for an offering, or trying to collect members for your group that you're trying to build off what someone else has spent time building, then follow their directions. I think that's pretty basic, right? I think that's a pretty clear direction. If someone says, no promotions in this group, do not drop links, do not sell your products, do not sell goods, give more than you take from the group. To me, that's a pretty clear direction that even if you are a business owner like myself, I have several businesses, but there are certain groups that because they have this as a part of their rules, I don't ever drop advertisement of what I do in their group. I just see it, I see it as a sign of respect. Now, sometimes groups will open up and they will do a special and they say, hey, you know, this is Black History Month, we wanna promote the businesses in this group. That's different, right? But if someone has formed a culture with their group that we're not going to promote our outside interests into this space, this space is relational, right? It's conversational and it's relational. And that's what we want to focus on in this group. Now, if you get to know people outside of that and you message them and you guys build that relationship and they say, hey, I see that, you know, looking at your page, I see that you have some businesses. Can you drop me some links to what you offer? That's different. But again, if someone is specific, specifically saying no promotions, then I think we should follow that. You know, the whole golden rule, do unto others as you want done unto yourself, right? And so I finished by saying, Jesus has delivered me from cussing. He really has. I used to be a really nasty toilet mouthed person, just being honest with you. But some of the stuff that I see that people try to be slick with <laughs> really makes me want to just go over to their inbox and click record and give them a piece of my mind. Sometimes I'm tempted. I'm going to admit it. Sometimes I'm tempted. I just want to say, what in the world do you keep doing? Why do you keep doing this? Like, is something wrong up here? Is it not registering? 
Did you not read the rules? Why are you why are you joining groups and then 30 seconds later you are barraging that space with your promotions? Like, do you do this in real life with your friends, with your relationships, with your family members? If you do this in real life, I can see why your family members might not want to talk to you. They might not want to pick up the phone. Because if all you're doing is pushing product off on them, okay, and you're totally disregarding the relationship that they want to build with you, that is disrespectful. But as I said, Jesus has delivered me from cussing, but it seems to be the only language that some people understand. Why is that? Why do we have to have people talk to us in a disparaging way in order for us to get it? I don't understand that. As I finished and closed here, I said, it is absolutely exhausting and annoying to have to say this over to and over to and over to and over to and over to again. And my thing is, if you don't know how to advertise, there are courses on this. If you feel this compelled about selling your products, Facebook will allow you to create a free business page. Free, F-R-E-E. You can start advertising on Facebook and Instagram at the same time for like $5. Did you know that? You can run an ad for five days for $5 and reach up to a thousand people that you didn't know before with your product. Hmm, isn't that a good idea? Rather than running your family and friends ragged, (laughs) rather than DMing all of your friends that you want to keep every single day saying, buy my stuff. Now, would we like to buy your stuff? We sure would. But do we want to be inundated every single day with your advertisement to buy your stuff? We sure don't. And maybe your relatives are too kind to tell you this, but that's why I'm here. (laughs) Okay. So think about it. The next time you're in a group, go back and read the, read the rules. I know some people join groups and they never read the rules, but if there are rules for a group, go and actually read them. Find out the culture of the group. And until you know the culture, Don't advertise. Give it a moment. Get to know the people. Now, again, there are some groups that are built with promotion in mind. There are multi-level marketing groups, network marketing groups that are built with promotion in mind. There are people who sell um, MLM products and they start a group. And they start that group with the specific mindset of selling to whoever joins that group. Don't invite me to any of those, okay? (laughs) But if that's the way you're going to go, then when you're inviting people to your multi-level marketing group, let them know that that's why you're inviting them. I'm inviting you to this group because I have products to sell 
and I want to sell them to you. I think you would benefit from this product and here's what I'm going to do inside of my group. Are you interested? And then hit the invite button. But just respect whatever people's group rules are. And here's another. And the reason why I said hashtag hard-headed Christians is because it's not just product. It is, um, how can I put this? It is the prophetic live streams that every day you're pushing in other people's spaces that says don't promote and it has <laughs> all of your links to all the 50 11 million things that you involved in and you keep submitting your videos with all of your advertisement in groups that say no promotions that's what we're talking about we're not talking about groups that say freely promote because there are those are out there we're talking about the ones that say no promotions it's also the people that want to share their posts into other people's groups from their group that they started (laughs) there was one gentleman i'll tell you i'll tell you a story about one there was one gentleman who, who joined a group that I admin that has um, over 55,000 people. And at first he was putting in his posts and then he would go back. This was before Facebook had the um, post approval where anytime someone edits a post to add stuff in there after, after they get let in, he would I would add his post And then he would come back on every one of his posts that I added and he would edit the information and say, oh, and join my group. And he would link his group to the post. So he was actually pulling members (laughs) from the group that I spent a year adding 15,000 members to. That kind of behavior is shady. It's shady. Um... And here's the thing about people who do things like that. In the moment, it may seem like a good idea to do that. But in the reciprocity recipe of the universe, you reap what you sow. Okay. So when someone takes the time, and I'm saying this because I can speak on it. Because I've done it. When someone takes the time to build a group. It is disrespectful to come into their space trying to hijack the membership that they have built. Now, we think about this in terms of spirituality. People get upset about that. But we don't often think about it in terms of what people are building in on a social level or a social platform. And these things do have value. There is social capital that is built There is relationships that are built. And part of this is also for some people, it's a part of their intellectual property issues that are connected to it. So my thing is, if you want people to buy your your goods, your services and your products, consider getting yourself a actual business page. Consider investing in actual advertisement that means you have to put aside some dollars to actually invest in advertisement 
and consider actually building relationships with people in the groups that you're a part of before you just go inundating people with advertisement. One thing that I can definitely say is that my business has grown and continues to grow because of relationships. Um, I could come, I could, you know, get a new friend and I can come in their inbox and say, hey, here's all my links to all the stuff I sell. Nice to meet you. But I don't do that. Why? Because I want to build relationship with people. I want people to get to know me first. I'd prefer you know me more than I prefer you go click on a link. I know that might be counterculture. <laughs> but I really do believe in building relationships with people. If I never sell you anything, I want you to know that you're in my life because I appreciate you as a person, because I appreciate you as a human being, because I want to get to know you, because I care about what concerns you. And maybe that's counterculture. Maybe that's too idealistic. Maybe I'm supposed to be more cutthroat and just start slinging my products wherever I can sling them in anybody's space. But that is not how I live life. (laughs) So, That is my spiel on that. I have gone entirely too long, but hopefully that will help someone out. And, you know, obviously the block and delete button is always there. But because I realize that this is not just a problem for me, it's actually a problem um, among lots, amongst lots of admins on Facebook. I decided to share All right, we are back in, let's see, where are we? Ooh, hmm. We are back in the genetics book tonight. And I believe we have made it to, where are we? We started last time we ended with the human Y chromosome and we learned um, about the ancestral X and Y chromosomes. Now, there was a very interesting article that came out recently about them being able to extract DNA from ancient, I think it was Egyptian people and how the scientists are really, really excited about this. And my thing is like, but ultimately, what is that for? Who is going to actually benefit from that extraction of the ancient genes? So tonight, we're going to be talking about centromeres and telomeres. The 30-second theory on centromeres and telomeres. When the cells in our bodies divide, the chromosomes need to copy themselves. The resulting chromatid pairs are held together by a structure known as centromere, which assembles a complex motor that segregates chromosomes during cell division. A protein complex called the connecticore attaches to the centromere and helps it pull the chromatids to opposite ends of the cell during division. In this way, the chromatids end up in separate daughter cells. When a chromosome is replicated, 
the enzymes that duplicate DNA cannot continue to the end of the chromosome. The ends of each chromosome are called the telomeres. This poses the challenge to the cell of how to copy the complete chromosome without losing the sections at the ends. This is solved by repeating end segments, which cap the end sequence to prevent deterioration. The telomeres are replenished by the enzyme telomerase. Telomeres and telomerase play important roles in human disease. Telomere shortening is associated with aging diseases. Telomere dysfunction or shortening can lead to genomic instability and occurs when a tumor is developing. Telomerase can extend the lifespan of cells and is increased in cancer cells. The center of a chromosome is known as the centromere. Its ends are telomeres. And um, this is an illustration here. So that would be the centromere. These would be the telomeres. Each chromosome has a constriction point called the centromere that helps segregate chromatids during cell division. Each also has telomeres that protect chromosome ends from deterioration. Again, when the cell divides, it is important that daughter cells have the same number of intact chromosomes. There are two chromosome structures that help to achieve this, which is the telomere and the centromere. The telomeres prevent loss. These prevent loss of essential genetic material from the ends and the centromere allows the daughter strands of replicated chromosomes to segregate into daughter cells. Carol Greeter was the American biologist who with Blackburn discovered telomerase. So, a little bit of our science and genetics. Moving on to neuroscience. We started talking about localizing brain functions and what people were learning in the 1600s and 1700s about the brain through their observations and their experimentation. This is the book, How the World Works, Neuroscience. Localizing brain functions. Despite good intentions, locating the areas of the brain responsible for different activities proved difficult and little progress was made before the 18th century. As Steno had observed, the brain presents a puzzle. It cannot be seen to be doing anything even if the head is opened up. But head injuries can have specific adverse effects and these gave some indication as to what might be going on inside the brain. In 1710, Francois Porfour de Petit a French military surgeon treated a patient with a brain abscess. The man suffered from paralysis on the opposite side of his body to that of the abscess, leading Petit to conclude that the animal spirits traverse from one side of the brain to the other in the tracts which cross the medullary pyramids or the paired structures at the top of the brain stem just below the pons. He demonstrated that he could produce translateral paralysis 
by severing the connection to one or other of the pyramids. In 1727, he went further, tracing the nerves that crossed the pyramids to their origins in the cerebral cortex. With this, he established for the first time the existence of the motor cortex. This is the most basic lateralization of function, finding that one side of the brain controls and takes input from the other side of the body. But it's a very important discovery yet it was the only discovery to have much impact for some time. Now, these are the, sometimes these are the paintings that we don't often see <laughs> from the 1700s and the 1800s, okay? So there were some people that were painting about these particular experiments, but not very many are put into the books for us to see. This is one reason why I like this particular book. Looking ahead, Emanuel Swedenborg, who lived from 1688 to 1772, seems an unlikely candidate for a prescient neuroscientist. After studying theology and becoming interested in the beliefs of the dissenting Lutheran sect at the time, he settled to working in natural science and inventions. Among his proposals were one for a flying machine and another for a submarine. Swedenborg's twin interest in natural science and religion led him to try to investigate the biology of the soul. He believed the soul to be connected to the body and based on material substances, therefore susceptible to study. Beginning in the 1730s, he undertook extensive research into the structure and function of the brain and nervous system and thought deeply and with originality anticipating many later discoveries. His aim was to locate the soul and he formulated an ambitious plan to publish a 17 volume work on its anatomy. He left his job in 1743 to gather material for his book, but the following year experienced a vision in which he claimed Christ said he had chosen to reveal to him the true meaning of the Bible. Not surprisingly, he had to give up his previous project to undertake this demanding divine commission. And demanding it was, starting from the Hebrew text, Swedenborg was tasked with finding the spiritual meaning of every verse of the Bible. So, Emmanuel Swedenborg gave up his research into the soul after a divine calling by the spirit. Reevaluating the cortex. At the time, the predominant view was that the cortex was unimportant in terms of brain function. Its sole job being to deliver blood vessels to deeper parts of the brain where all the real work went on. The view that it did little of use was reinforced by the work of Swiss physiologist, Albrecht von Haller, the leading authority on the brain. He tested the irritability or the sensitivity of various body tissues and found the cortex to be completely unresponsive. In experiments with dogs, he stimulated the cortex with a scalpel, with corrosive substances, and with anything else he thought might cause pain, but the dogs remained blissfully unaware. Only when Holler plunged his instruments deeply into the brain did the dog howl and struggle. His conclusion was that the cortex is indeed just a rind with no sensory or motor function and not involved in higher mental functions. 
Swedenborg read the literature on the brain concerning its physical structure, including experimental results and observation, then observed the data afresh and came to completely different conclusions from his sources. His main finding was that the cortex was the center for both receiving sensory information and initiating willed action. The cortical substance imparts life, that is sensation, perception, understanding, and will. It imparts motion, that is the power of acting in agreement with the will and with nature. Italian biologist Marcello Malfighi was the first person to use a microscope to examine the cortex. He reported that it is made up of many small glands which are attached to fibers. The globules were later shown to be artifacts produced by his microscope and the way he prepared his samples. Swedenborg concentrated on the fibers that Malfighi had seen, suggesting that they might be connecting independent units which acted as cerebellula or mini brains. In identifying these as discrete elements that work in conjunction with one another, he brilliantly anticipated the doctrine of the neuron or the brain cell that would emerge more than 100 years later in the 1890s. The fibers run through the cortex to the white matter, through the medulla, down the spinal cord, and then to the parts of the body by means of the peripheral nerves. These he proposed were the conduits of sensation and action. So here is one of the engraving sections of the brain in the late 18th century. Now this is kind of interesting because I think I was just saying the other night that it kind of looks like a peanut, a pecan to be precise, a cracked open one. All right, so after all of these experiments, they're still trying to figure these things out. Figuring out what part of the brain at that moment in history functions for what. And at that point, they're still trying to figure it out. So this has been my conversation on tonight. I hope you learned something that you didn't learn before. I hope something that I said tonight was insightful for you or something I read tonight might get you to start thinking about can we really analyze the soul in the way that that gentleman was trying to do he wanted to do a whole 17 volume study on the soul but he got rerouted to go study with the spirit hmm might be something to that anyway I'm gonna go ahead and open up tonight if you would like to share or you would like to talk back about anything I have shared tonight, you can type into the chat I'm in. If you are listening to me on Anchor FM, I want to thank you for your time and attention tonight. This has been another episode of Daring Dialogues, and I've been your host, Shantae Charles. Until next time, see you later.